Welcome to Mercy Unwrapped. I'm your host, Christine Franklin of CatholicGrandma.com. My guest today is Dr. Bob Schutz. Bob Schutz is a licensed marriage and family therapist who has integrated his Catholic faith and the charism of healing into his therapy practice and teaching and training activities for more than 35 years. Bob is the founder and president of the John Paul II Healing Center in Tallahassee, Florida, and the author of a wonderful new book, Be Healed. Bob and his wife Margie have been married for 37 years and have two married daughters and seven, almost eight grandchildren. Bob, welcome to Mercy Unwrapped. Thank you, Chris. Good to be with you. Thank you. Bob, I read your book, Be Healed, and I've given copies to my kids and several of my friends. And what really stood out to me was how personally honest uh, you are in the book about your own um, journey of mercy and healing uh, in your life, in your family, and how difficulties and obstacles were actually God's mercy in disguise. Um, I really look forward to having you share um, on Mercy Unwrapped your story of mercy today. Okay, uh, thank you. I, thinking about uh, how to start that, I guess I'll start as uh, where where I started in the book as as a child, growing up in a in a pretty solid Catholic family. Uh, my parents were involved in something called uh, Christian Family Movement, and uh, had a pretty good and solid. Uh, faith background, good formation, and yet in the middle of all of that, the family uh, just blew up with my parents' divorce. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, soon after that, my brother uh, started on drugs and eventually became a heroin addict. And so things went from a very secure environment to a not very secure environment. And there was a lot of, a lot of, uh, consequence for for all of us um in in my you know we we still maintained a faith but the level of trust was was not there in, in the same way and uh so i went on with my life and kind of ignored the damage that was done to my own soul um and went and you know engaged in sports in school and uh got married, had a family, and it was not until several years into the marriage where all of this kind of came to a head, and it was there that I really sought out and uh, recognized my need for Jesus and for God's mercy in my life, and it was at that point that the the seeking really brought about a lot of healing in my life. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm sure there are listeners who are, many listeners who are from broken families. Um, Talk a little bit about the kind of damage that you experienced from that trauma of divorce. Well, if I can say it objectively first, and then I'll talk subjectively. Objectively, uh, I've come to believe when, when Jesus says the two shall become one flesh, that the marriage bond and the union between a husband and wife uh, and then the openness to children. Uh, the children are really the one flesh union between the parents. I mean, you don't know where the the mother ends and the father begins mm-hmm. with every child. And and it's not just a physical, genetic, but it's a psychological and spiritual and emotional bond and connection. Uh, 
And, and so I like to say out of my own experience and out of uh, helping many others do this, that, that every child's security, every child's heart is a reflection of their parents' love for each other mm-hmm. and for the children. Mm-hmm. And to the extent to which that love is damaged, the child's heart is damaged. And, and when the, the, the love is ripped apart like it is with divorce or even mm-hmm. with death, uh, but even more so with divorce because there's the, the loss of love there, uh, the child's heart is ripped apart. You know, it's 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 literally a broken heart. Yeah. And and uh, you know, children can have their hearts broken in many different ways. But in 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 divorce, it's kind of ripped in two, and there's this loyalty conflict that develops, and there's a loss of intimacy and a loss of relationship. Uh, you know, I, I was not aware of how much damage was done at the time, mm-hmm. but uh, and I think as a culture, we're in great denial of how much damage is done to the hearts of children, but it's it's severe. Uh, they can still function externally, but in terms of trust, in terms of giving and receiving love, in terms of being able to trust God, because the parents are also the image of God, mm-hmm. you know, the image of God's love. And when that's ripped apart, uh, a child may still carry uh, their knowledge of faith, but they don't carry their ability to appropriate that uh, love uh, at a heart level. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, and you're from a very large family, and your older yeah. brother ha- had left, and yes. so that you put you in a very particular position. Yeah, I, I uh, pretty much came into the position of a pseudo father uh, with the rest of the family. I was at the age of 13 or 14. As I say in the book, I, I became a family therapist way before I uh, trained in and became a family therapist formally mm-hmm. by by feeling the responsibility. I took this on myself in some ways, but also uh, my mother kind of invited me into this position uh, for good and bad reasons. And uh, so I, I, I very early on took on this responsibility, this, this over-sense of responsibility for the needs and well-being of my brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. which there was a lot of good in that, but there was also some things that weren't so good in that. Mm-hmm. So you went on um, in life and ignoring the pain or not understanding that it was there. And um, I know you did very well in sports and in college and in academia, but at some point something changed. And talk about that moment when you, you said you, you realized that you needed Jesus in your life. Um, what did that look like? And how did how did that help? Well, I- yeah, a couple of pieces of that one is uh, I began to have difficulty in my trust with my wife. Mm-hmm. And so, so that was a catalyst uh, to begin to look at all of this, how much I, w- I was fearful about divorce in my own marriage because of what I'd gone through, difficult to trust, all those kind of things. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also I began to have panic attacks, I, and, and I, it actually started in a Bible study. I was in a Bible study, and... Uh, as we were sharing about a scripture, there's two scriptures uh, that someone recited really started a, a, a anxiety attack for me uh, later in the day. One was, uh, you are neither hot nor cold, and I will spit you out of your mouth. This is Jesus in the book of Revelation. And the other was, uh, I am the vine, you are the branches. Apart from me, you can do nothing. Mm-hmm. And what... What I realized in those two scriptures, 
uh, I, I didn't realize it immediately, but I came to realize in those two scriptures, is that I've been trying to stand in the middle, uh, not really give my heart anywhere because it was safer, mm-hmm. and yet trying to live life on my own. You know, just when you're not in that really abiding place with Jesus, you, you live life on your own merits and your own control and your own way of doing things. And, and that had been my self-protection against the pain. And once those scriptures came, they, the, I think the anxiety attack was the beginning of the emerging of, of the pain that I was, had buried. Mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. And, you know, from there, it really led me into a healing process and had a powerful encounter on a, on a weekend church weekend retreat. Mm-hmm. And once you uh, realized how much you needed Jesus in your life, what was the process like? The process of healing from um, that lack of trust, that trauma to the family, because obviously your family was still around you. You're still in contact with yes. your parents. The broken marriage is still there. Um, and yeah. even, even though you were grown up, it, it's still there and you're in the middle of your life. How did, how did that help? Uh, well, uh, my the process really began with a with a kind of desperation in prayer, just recognizing God, I need you. You know, up until that point when I was self sufficient, I just needed myself. Mm-hmm. But I began to recognize that I really needed Him, particularly if I was going to for my marriage and for relationships with my family, for my own healing. I, I really needed Him at a level that I didn't recognize that I needed Him. Mm-hmm. So that prayer led into this retreat experience, and without going into all the detail of that, I had a very powerful experience uh, praying with a group of friends, and I experienced the love of the Father poured out of my heart is the way the Scripture talks about it. And I felt like I was just going to burst from the the joy and the love that I felt, and I began to cry. First time I cried in 20 years since my parents divorced. Mm -hmm. And the the tears were tears of joy and release and relief. Uh, But it was also the beginning of the healing of my heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, from there, and, and it helped, there was a lot of men uh, that we were walking through together and we could share life together. So the community was a part of that. Prayer was a part of that. The sacraments were a part of that. And then later I had healing experiences where I began to heal my relationship with my father and we would go on retreats together as a family, as my brothers and I and my dad to begin to repair things. And then as a whole family, we'd have several healing experiences. And probably the most powerful of those happened over when my brother got sick and, and mm-hmm. was in a dying process. Uh, you want me to share that now? Sure. If you feel comfortable sharing it, that, that'd be great. Yeah. Uh, my, my brother, uh, Dave, uh, was off and on heroin for about 20-some years after the divorce. And uh, at one point he came out of jail and lived with us and saw what was happening in my life and in the life of my other brother and my brother-in-law who had all gone on this retreat. And he decided that he wanted that for himself. And so he ended up going on a retreat, had a very powerful experience I describe in the the book related Mm -hmm. to the sacraments, Mm -hmm. particularly the sacrament reconciliation. Uh, But Soon after that, maybe a year after that, he found out that he was HIV positive, mm. uh, and he had uh, gotten the disease, he thinks, from a heroin needle, mm-hmm. uh, and he had actually passed it on to a girlfriend. So there was there was a lot of pain around all of that. Mm. 
But when he when he really had that confirmed that he had actual AIDS, uh, I was amazed at his level of faith, how much it had grown by then, because he said, I've been praying for a purpose, and he said, now I can be a person with AIDS for Jesus. Wow. And it just blew me, blew me away to hear that come out of his mouth, and he certainly was. Over the next uh, year and a half or so, he lived, as he got less and less able to take care of himself, he lived with my brother Wayne, who at that time was not practicing his faith. And Dave's witness of, of being someone who's dying but, but living day to day for Jesus uh, had major impact in Wayne's life, uh, but also in all the members of the family. And uh, the, the beautiful experience... Uh, that stands out. There's many of them, but the beautiful experience was actually uh, on the day he died. And uh, my my father lived up north uh, in West Virginia, in the United States. Uh, was given a ticket to fly down to be with my brother Dave, and all of us family members were then heading to Jacksonville, which is where Dave lived. And uh, when we arrived, I saw my dad sitting behind my brother Dave with his arms around him, straddling him and embracing him while my brother was in his final breath. And uh, it was just an amazing, beautiful thing to see. My wife Margie and I were there as we walked in and just saw the reconciliation and healing that was evidence in that. And then uh, my dad invited me to come and sit as he got up and had to leave the room for a minute. And so I sat there, and when my dad and my wife Margie came back into the room, uh, my brother Dave died in my arms. And uh, just a beautiful, bittersweet experience, but I felt like a midwife uh, helping, ushering, the three of us ushering my brother Dave to heaven. Uh, and uh, just the full circle of God's mercy and his healing, you know, just to, to feel, share that together, you know, to share where all the wounds had started, mm -hmm. to be able to feel, even through what we may fear is the worst, to see God work in that in such beautiful and powerful ways. Mm -hmm. And just embracing my father and crying together, embracing my wife and crying and, and, and just praying together and just praying for Dave's soul and, and knowing that he was close to us. Yeah. Well, you and, know, what I hear, Bob, is like all these series of disasters that yeah. we could view at, from one and situation and or when we're in the middle of disaster like life life is never gonna get better i i'm in the pit yeah. your yeah, your, yeah. your parents divorce when you were a little kid you're having to take on the responsibility of the man of the family which is no child is equipped to do you're yeah. um you know your need to control and excel and and like the ways you hid and then and then realizing it was a sham you know like all the yep. all the walls you'd built up to protect yourself that they were really a bad thing i mean that's a, a terrible place in life to be and and yep. then your brother who's been also abandoned you so i mean it wasn't just dad abandons the family yep. big brother abandons the family and goes off and becomes a drug addict and and you know and then he become then he has aids and yet for all of these things to turn into mercy yep. is it's a it's it's the world does not understand this it's um, amazing you you articulated that very well it's just amazing the things that you fear the most 
to see God work the most through them and do his most good is just amazing. And, and you know, the word mercy is God's heart for our misery. That, yeah. that he is, even when we're disconnected from our hearts, he's so close and intimate to the places of our misery and just waits for the opportunity for us to come to him with it. Well, I know there are listeners who are in that pit right now. Um, and they don't see the way out. What would you say to those brothers and sisters? Well, in, in the midst of it, you can't see. When I was, you know, when I was in those places, I, I didn't see either. And there's a hopelessness that develops. There's a sense of futility. It's like I've got to fix it. And the thing that I would encourage most of all is to say, begin to thank God and say, God, I trust you in the middle of this. Even if you don't fully in your heart trust Him, God, I choose to trust you. As we said, Divine Mercy Chaplet, Jesus, I trust in you. Mm-hmm. And just continue to say that until you see him intervene, because he will. Mm-hmm. He promises, when you turn to me, when you cry out to me with all of your heart, I will answer you. Yeah. I think uh, another piece is forgiveness. Um, yes. You haven't, you haven't mentioned that, but I know that that's part, that's part of the healing um, can you talk about the importance of forgiveness and mercy? Yeah, very much so. Uh, I guess it begins with knowing that we need forgiveness. You know, that, we're, that we've all offended God and offended the people around us, and and that we need forgiveness ourselves. And so, God's mercy, first and foremost, is our forgiveness. It's you know, when I went to the sacrament of reconciliation and confessed my sins. Dave, as he confessed his, and God showed his mercy to him, and, and so one after another. But then as we began to meet with the members of the family, talking with my dad, then what we had recognized that we needed, we also needed to give. We, we needed to forgive. I needed to forgive my father. I needed to forgive my wife. I needed to forgive my brother. I needed to forgive my mom for putting me in that place. I needed to forgive myself and receive forgiveness. Uh, and that forgiveness is, is an act of the will, but it's also a, a, has to penetrate to the depths of our heart. So sometimes when we begin forgiving, we haven't completed forgiveness. Sometimes there's a healing process that's necessary in our hearts mm-hmm. because we're carrying things and holding on to things that, that just our words of forgiveness don't really release. And so healing is also very much part of that forgiveness process. And so we need to be patient with ourselves and keep going yeah. back to God. Yes. Amen. Yeah. So you, now I you know, want the listeners to know your parents did not get back together. No, they did not. Uh, yeah. But there's also some very beautiful moments of them looking each other in the eyes in front of everybody and asking for forgiveness and apologizing and recognizing yeah. the damage and, and loving each other as best they could. Mm-hmm. years down the road with all the damage. Wow, that is that's very beautiful and honestly it's it's unusual because you know um very few children get to see of divorced families ever get to see the parents in an amiable relationship of forgiveness. Yeah, it's it's actually beautiful. I, one of the experiences was uh, my half sister's wedding to be able to sit with my my dad's wife and my mom at the same table wow. <laughs> and and to be able to have there be a love and cordiality there 
Yeah. Uh, just only God can do that. Uh, another experience was at my brother Wayne's baptism, and all of my brothers and sisters and nieces and nephews were all around, and we were in the middle of praying, holding hands, praying, the whole circle, you know, 30-some people in the family. And my dad looks up and looks at all of us and looks at my mom and just humbly apologized wow. with tears in his eyes. And it was just beautiful. Just, yeah. just only, again, only God. Every single member of the family was brought on a journey with God and received God's mercy and was able to extend it. And not that it's perfect. We're still a family that has many things to, to work through, but it's just beautiful to see God work in the middle of all that. Yeah, it's really, it's, it's a remarkable story of healing, but it, you know, it gives hope because there are some situations in which we feel hopeless and that nothing can ever change. Um, and I think, you know, we, we, especially, you know, I and you and I both want people to know that there's no such thing as hopeless. No, I mean, God is hope. Yeah. God, God is a source of hope. And even when we can't change the circumstances, our hearts can change. Yeah. Our will and he, can change. And, and our will can change, and He can change it. I mean, we can't necessarily change them ourselves. Sometimes we feel powerless about that, too, but He mm -hmm. can change it. Mm -hmm. So what? So if you were speaking to someone who's a child of divorce, what would you say is the first step of healing? Um, Recognize the depths of the wounds mm -hmm. that, that, that you've been hurt. Uh, however well you function on the outside, your capacity to, to trust and to love has been wounded, and your perception of God has been wounded by that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that you need to bring, I would say need to, I mean, there's an internal need to bring that to God because mm -hmm. he's the one that can heal it and, and, and to find people that can help you walk through it if they're, if they're possibly around you. And then secondly, uh, to begin the process of forgiving. Mm -hmm. uh, to begin to look at where am I still bitter, where am I still resenting, where am I judging people, where am I trying to control life because of this, and, and to begin to release those to God. Mm -hmm. And and to have what sort of expectations? Well, I, I wouldn't put the expectations at a human level, but at a divine level, mm -hmm. which Thank is you. God... All things are possible with God. And the expectation is that God's going to hear you and he's going to move when you ask him. He's going to move in your life when you ask him. And you have no idea, you know, as St. Paul says, it's immeasurably beyond anything you can think of or imagine the way that he expresses his love. Mm -hmm. and so how does... go ahead. let go of expectations. Okay. But let's have go. hope. You know, it, it sort of reminds me of... Uh... Alcoholics Anonymous, where you have to stand up and say, "Hello, my name is Bob, and I'm an alcoholic." You know, so, yeah. "Hello, my name is Bob, and I'm I'm I've been wounded by my yeah. parents' divorce." Yes, and a thousand other things too. Right? Yeah, yeah. Um, that that first acknowledgement in our society says yeah. that you know divorce can be this painless thing, you know, um, yeah. and the children are the ones who receive the the terrible, terrible wounds. And we pretend that's not true because they say, well, look, kids who have, whose parents have divorced do well in school and they still, you know, they're not less intelligent and they, they still achieve, but it, you know, that doesn't address the inside part of the human person. That's exactly right. And, and actually the studies that have 
done that recognize there's a tremendous damage that's done to divorce. And studies by Wallerstein, Judith Wallerstein, uh, and many others like that have validated how much damage is done internally to children, and not only to children, but to parents. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's equally broken hearts, even if there's anger and bitterness and resentment, there's underneath that there's broken hearts mm-hmm. on this couple who have chosen to love and give themselves to each other who now have rejected each other at the core level. Bob, what would you say to a couple that's listening or a person who's listening who has just been really contemplating divorce? Uh, you know, they're they're sick of the situation, or they think they've found somebody new, and and they've heard and they're listening to this. Talk to that person. We've got about two minutes left. Okay, uh, I'll start with the scripture. God says, "I hate divorce." Malachi two, because it does violence to the hearts of everybody. Mm-hmm. And God says, "What what I have joined together, Jesus, is what God has joined together. Let no man separate." So the first is recognizing the divine law. Mm-hmm. Secondly, is to recognize that you're not going to solve it yourself. Mm-hmm. Whatever coping mechanisms you've been trying to do that have led you to consider divorce, uh, that's you relying on yourself. That it isn't God that led you there. I was deceived at one point thinking God was leading me there, and it wasn't God. It was the Antichrist. Mm-hmm. But to recognize that God's not leading you there, that's yourself being influenced by the world, by the evil, by your pain, by your struggles, by your frustrations, and submit yourself to God and say, God, I need your help. I want to live according to your way because your way is what's going to bring me and everybody around me the ultimate fulfillment. Yeah. Well, that's really beautiful, and I thank you for that. Um, Dr. Bob Schutz uh, has seminars that he gives all over the country uh, for healing marriages, healing sexual wounds, he gives seminars to priests, seminarians, lay people. Um, be sure to look up his um, his organization, John Paul II Healing Center in Tallahassee, Florida. Get a hold of his book, Be Healed. You can get it on Amazon. Uh, thanks, Bob, for being with us during this time and for being honest about your own hurts and your own journey of God. Well, thank you, Chris. I appreciate your own journey and the heart that you have for everybody. Thank you. You're listening to Mercy Unwrapped. To hear the rest of the episodes, download them from iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud, or listen to them at my website. Share with a friend who needs hope, and be a mercy missionary with me. I'm Christine Franklin, and if you need prayer for any reason, please leave me a note at catholicgrandma.com. Mercy Unwrapped is produced by Efrain Ramos. Find him at fiverr.com forward slash Efrain Ramos. God bless you, and until next time, remember, Jesus is near.